Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. You can listen to The Aside on Apple Podcasts, Android podcasting apps, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and now Spotify. I'm Nick Waxman, and today we are in conversation with John Nicholas Saunders about advocacy for drama education. A transcript of this conversation will be available by clicking the link in the description of this episode. John Nicholas Saunders is a former secondary school teacher and the Director of Education and Community Partnerships at STC. In 2014, John Nicholas was awarded the Chas Australia Prize for a future leader in the humanities, arts and social sciences. John Nicholas has extensive experience in arts education and currently holds the following positions. President of Drama Australia, Drama Education Representative on the National Advocates for Arts Education, Chair of the Australia's Major Performing Arts Education Group, AMPAG. He has also co-authored a book detailing the school drama program with his esteemed colleague Professor Robin Ewing AM. It's called The School Drama Book, Drama, Literature and Literacy in the Creative Classroom. Without further ado, I bring you John Nicholas Saunders discussing advocacy for drama. Welcome, John Saunders. Thank you. Great to be here. So what does drama as a subject do that is wholly unique? Look, I found that a really tricky question because uh, I think there are many different things that drama does that is wholly unique. Um, I, I think the core part of it is the stepping into the shoes of somebody else and imagining that we are somebody else and taking on that other person's role and attitude and relationships and views of the world. And I think that ability to imagine and to empathise um, and connect with somebody else, a different character um, from a different walk of life, I think is uh, the biggest thing that is wholly unique to drama. I, I think, though, that there are also lots of other aspects, and I think drama um is one of the five art forms in the Australian curriculum. And each art form, I think, is equal and, uh, and equally important. And each art form develops different skills and contributes to uh, learning in, in slightly different ways. And so I think it's part of that sort of rich tapestry. Um, it's important to look at education, not just in silos. Why should drama be a subject all students are exposed to? So I think that drama is great as a subject and it's also great as a pedagogy. Uh, and so there are two sort of distinctions there. Both drama as a subject and as a pedagogy are about making meaning. Uh, and I think that's core to being human uh, and the humanities. Uh, and it also um, has a whole range of transferable skills that you develop through drama as a subject. Um, and we know that students who are studying the arts um, and drama uh, receive better grades and overall test scores, are less likely to leave school early in secondary school, they rarely report boredom, they have more positive self-concepts of themselves, they watch less television, uh, and later on in life they engage in more community service activities and their peers that aren't engaged in um, quality drama and arts programs. So I think as a whole, there's a whole range of... Um, outcomes that come from quality arts education and quality drama education that are really important um, for, for all students. Can you talk a little bit about the research that supports your answer? Yeah, yeah. So the study that I just referred to um, with those, that sort of top line is uh, a study by Professor Robin Ewing from the University of Sydney uh, and that was her, um, an outcome of her 
2010 research that she did for the Australian Council of Educational Research. And Robin looked at uh, sort of a literature review of all of the Australian and international research um, and found those findings. But there's a whole range of other big meta-analyses that, um, you know, find similar things. Um, you know, for example, um, Edward Fisk's Champions of Change in 1999 was a really big piece of research. Um, and some of the studies, you know, had tens of thousands of uh, participants in them. And in, in the US, they're able to track uh, students as they move through school and into adulthood. Um, so it's easy to follow journeys and see long-term outcomes in the States than it is in Australia. But um, Fisk found that the arts provide ways of engaging students who are otherwise really difficult to engage. Um, and, you know, I think we all know that. Anyone who's worked in a classroom knows that's certainly true. It can connect students to themselves, to each other, to the world around them. It can transform the learning environment. So uh, quality arts and drama education can make that learning environment uh, important and relevant. And it can also challenge students who are already really successful learners. So those students who are already high performers, it can help push them even further. Um, so they're sort of two big studies, but there's heaps and heaps uh, of Australian and international research that looks at the uh, impact of quality arts and drama education. What does a school program without drama lack? Yeah, look, I think there are aspects of literacy that, um, that you know, students who would be going through a school that didn't offer drama would lack. Certainly, there's an understanding of that entire art form of drama uh, and making meaning from that art form. But I think we could also see, uh, and I think what the research is suggesting, is that we could see sort of disengagement from students. We could see students who are less motivated. We could see students with higher dropout rates in high school. Um, with greater um, a reporting greater boredom in school. Um, so, so I think it's sort of looking at the opposite of the findings um, from some of the big research pieces that have been done um, to say that that's what, you know, um, students who, who are deprived of quality arts experiences, um, you know, would miss out on. But I also think that drama is about humanising the curriculum and all of the humanities are about that. Um, and, and I think that, you know, a dehumanising learning experience is, is really counterintuitive to what we know um, works for students in, in learning. If a student participates in dance, visual art and media classes, why would you add drama as a mandatory option? Well, I would absolutely add drama as a mandatory option, but I also think that dance, drama, uh, visual art, um, music and media are are incredibly important, are all central. Um, and I think that there's a danger of um, sort of looking at um, the arts as a, you know, a period of time within curriculum and going, oh, wouldn't it be easier if we just did one or two of them rather than all of them? But each of the arts is really important. Each of the arts contributes something different. Um, but you've asked me about drama, and I think that core to drama is about role and stepping into the shoes of somebody else. But it also contributes, and I think students work in a different way in drama than in dance, and, and they work differently in dance and visual art and differently in visual art to music and differently from music to media. And they all develop different things. But I think that when it comes to drama in classrooms, that there is something about the body, the voice and the mind all working together. 
And I think that those communication skills that come out of that uh, experience of learning in drama is something that's unique to drama. In Yes, of course, in, um, in dance, you'll develop uh, awareness of the body and movement. Uh, in music, you might uh, have elements of the voice and singing um, as an instrument. But in drama, we combine both the, the voice and the body um, in a different way. Vygotsky talked about drama being a really important art form because it was the closest to reality for young people, for uh, young children. Young children learn through playing and drama sort of, or can be an extension of play where we work in an imagined world to make meaning. Uh, so I think that that also, that wonderful argument from uh, Vygotsky really resonates with contemporary drama education. Why should drama be its own class rather than its benefits be included across the curriculum? Well, I think that both are really important. Drama as a subject, though, positions students as artists, where they are making the art, they are performing the art, and they are responding and analysing the art. Um, and I think students develop something different when they are placed as an artist within the learning. And, of course, that, that overlaps. You know, you can't really completely separate drama as a pedagogy and drama as a discipline or an art form um, because they do overlap. Uh, but I think that there is something different about the artistry um, that is developed through drama as a subject. Um, and of course, that is developed as, um, you know, through the use of drama as a pedagogy. I also think that there is elements of the performance nature uh, of drama as a subject that uh, are, are quite unique as well, that students who are engaged in in performance, you know, it can really build self-esteem and self-efficacy. Uh, it can build uh, cohesion and collaboration within groups of people. Um, it can certainly shift student confidence. Uh, so there are a whole range of benefits, not to say that, you know, they're only associated with drama as a pedagogy or drama as a discipline. Um, you know, I think they, they overlap. And hopefully when we're teaching drama as a discipline, we're using drama-based pedagogy as much as we can. And hopefully when we're using drama-based pedagogy, we're bringing the discipline uh, into that as well. Does a curricular drama program also need the additional co-curricular performance season and drama clubs to make it meaningful? That, that's something that I haven't read uh, research on. Anecdotally, I feel like um, it's a bit like saying, you know, well, does, um, you know, science at school need an extracurricular science program to make it more meaningful? And I think the answer to that is no, that um, you can, and quality arts education, you know, of course, is better when there is more of it and those extracurricular um, activities, whether it's, you know, the musical or theatre sports or uh, a theatre club, uh, obviously have wonderful impact and the more uh, quality experiences a student has, the better for them. Uh, but I think that, you know, I'm also concerned, I, I suppose, in, in my role as President of Drama Australia about teacher burnout and the enormous pressure on some teachers, uh, you know, managing a curriculum and an extracurricular program. Uh, so I, I think that we can still do everything that we want to do and should do within um, within curriculum, and I think that's what good curriculum should allow us, that space to be able to, um, you know, meet all of the needs of our students. Drama's not just for young people who grow up to be actors, is it? 
No, and I think that, I mean, that certainly there's a part of, you know, there's an element of that in there, but I think it's the transferable skills that, um, and the transferable, transferable knowledge that students develop, which I'm more interested in, you know, personally. Um, you know, wonderful to have students go off and become theatre makers, uh, but I think that our purpose is broader than that. What are essential elements to a drama program and does it include watching professional theatre? Look, I, I, I think it's a great question and my personal and professional view is that yes, it should include uh, watching theatre and, uh, and of course watching live theatre at a theatre company is not always possible. You know, we live in an enormously, geographically enormous country uh, and for some regional schools it is really, really difficult and almost impossible to see live theatre. So I think engaging in theatre, whether that's recorded, you know, streamed performances, um, taped theatre, um, and of course live is best, but I think that is a really important uh, element to a quality drama program. And I think for me that comes back to the work of Peter Abbs, who talked about um, those sort of three pillars or areas in drama and arts education of making, performing and responding. And I think that we, they're all interconnected, those three kind of areas, and they might have different names and different curriculum around Australia and around the world. But generally we agree that there are these three aspects that we make drama, that we perform drama, and that we respond and analyse to drama and theatre. And and it's, it's sort of, for me, I think of it like, how could you study English and literature without ever reading a book? When reading that book, looking at its form, looking at its key elements, looking at how the author has worked is about, is kind of similar to watching theatre where you watch a piece of theatre, you look at uh, how the creatives worked to create dramatic meaning. You look at which elements of drama or conventions of a particular form and style were used. You look at how the actors and performers used their skills in performance to communicate meaning. And then that, of course, feeds how you work as an artist, as a student artist, as a maker of performance and as a performer of drama. So I think the three are, are interconnected in that way. Is watching professional theatre different from reflecting on your own work or the work of your peers? Look, I think both are really important. I think particularly in early primary school, reflecting uh, on our own work and responding to our own work, responding to our peers' work and analysing um, what they did, the choices that they made, is really important. Uh, and I think that, um, that as students continue to develop, I think that opening up you know, all of the different elements of, and uh, aspects of live theatre is really important. How lighting is used within uh, a theatre to create meaning or to uh, manipulate mood. How music or sound is used to change that mood or, or mark a moment, um, you know, is different when you are in a, a, a theatre than, um, you know, watching your peers in a classroom. So, so I think both are important. Can you talk about some of the gaps in drama education? You know, I started life as a secondary school teacher uh, and my work now is mainly in primary school. So, you know, really I'm looking at all primary school students engaging in quality drama experiences. And, and I think that's where there is a gap at the moment where uh, drama is offered at, you know, almost every secondary school, I would say. Um, and, and often and most of the time taught by specialist trained teachers. 
in secondary schools. But in primary schools, I think there is a gap in the research looking at how the arts are being delivered in primary schools across Australia. When we're seeing, uh, you know, organisations um, and groups like the Primary Principals Association talking about an overcrowded curriculum and the enormous pressure on primary teachers, um, you know, to cover the breadth of curriculum. But within that, we also need to make sure that the arts do have a place in that curriculum. We know that, um, you know, primary teaching is different to secondary teaching where we don't have these sort of traditional silos. We teach across the entire curriculum. So uh, there is a connectedness to learning and a connectedness to curriculum. And the arts really work well in that form, I, I think, um, in primary schools. So, you know, we're not training primary school kids to become um, actors uh, or directors. Certainly that's part of uh, drama curriculum, uh, but, but I think there are also lots of other aspects that are really useful and, and beneficial. What's the difference between a good and a bad drama class program? Yeah, uh, I think watching theatre is one of those key elements. And I think having equal representation within curriculum of making, presenting and responding, I think that's really important. I also think that we need to use pedagogy, our drama pedagogy, which is so powerful as much as we can in our drama classroom. So when we're teaching students about theatre, we should also be teaching through theatre and that embodied learning. And, and the third thing that I would say, I think, is, is about the aesthetic. And I love Maxine Green's work on the aesthetic. And um, when I first read it, I was sort of going, I don't really understand what she's talking about. But then she said, the opposite of aesthetic education is anaesthetic education, where we're dumbing down and numbing the emotions and the senses. And in an aesthetic education, we're waking up the emotions and the senses. And I think that that's what quality drama experiences do do, that they wake up the emotions and they wake up the senses. And so I think, I think it's viewing theatre, using our pedagogy and working in an aesthetic way, which I think are the, the core elements of, of a great drama classroom. And what good things do you see in the drama classroom? Look, I think that it is about students as artists and the teacher working as a co-creator with their students. I think that that is... Um, in every drama classroom I've ever been in, and I've been in a lot, uh, when, I've, when I've witnessed, I've only ever really witnessed teachers working as artists alongside their students and students working as artists and them seeing themselves as artists. Uh, so I think that is the marker of a great uh, drama classroom. Can you talk a little bit about STEM versus STEAM? I think that there isn't this big divide between them and it shouldn't be an either or. I think it's an and as well. Uh, and the, the arts in STEM can provide a way of uh, contextualising learning about humanising that learning. Uh, I, and I think great STEM and STEAM projects are about project-based learning. They're about big picture. So I think that it's the, the skills that are developed through it. I, I, I think that STEM will probably be a fad that will will move on from that, I think, as a sector. Um, and so I think it's having a, a moment in Australian education at the moment. Lots of international education systems have moved from STEM to STEAM and included the arts. For me, the most compelling sort of aspect uh, of the STEM-STEAM uh, argument was looking at 
um, Frey and Osborne's 2013 research from Oxford University. And they looked at all of the, uh, about 800 jobs in the US, different occupations, and looked at how susceptible they were to being replaced by computerization. And they found that around 47% of current employment were highly susceptible to being replaced by computerization. And that's, I think, pretty scary. That was over the next 20 or 30 years um, that almost half of current jobs won't exist. What they continued to say was that it was the creative and social intelligence. It was those skills and uh, jobs that had creative and social intelligence that were the least likely to be replaced by computerization. And I think that in drama, we do develop creative and social intelligence, that, that it is so intrinsic in our work um, that, that I think that we develop it even without thinking about it. Um, so when we're looking at that sort of big picture about uh, jobs that are, uh, you know, are and aren't going to exist, the skills that are developed in drama are about um, creative and social intelligence, about adaptability, uh, I think are really important for kids of the future. So that's where I see the sort of stem steam kind of uh, argument uh, at the moment. So why do we still need to advocate for drama in schools? Well, I mean, I think it's sad that we have to continue to advocate, really. It's so hard, um, you know. But I think that we do have to advocate because I think lots of people haven't had, um, you know, think about education in their own experience and that they uh, often reflect on their own schooling and that they haven't often had quality arts experiences themselves. So when they think about, um, you know, arts learning uh, and a drama classroom, they're thinking about something, um, you know, from a long time ago. And I think that actually, what we're doing in our classrooms now is really sophisticated. It is uh, evidence-based and research-informed. Um, and we know that it is also future-focused, that the skills, that the understanding and learning that's happening is really important for the future. So uh, I think, you know, yes, we do need to continue to be good advocates. Uh, I think it's sad that we still have to be advocates, but I think that is just the way it is. Thank you for your time today, John Nicholas Saunders. My absolute pleasure. Great to be with you. Well, that is all from us at The Aside. Remember, there is a transcript of this episode attached in the episode description. You can also find The Aside podcast on Apple Podcasts, Android podcasting apps, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and now Spotify. Please do not hesitate in contacting us at asidepodcasts at outlook.com if you have any questions. We receive a number of emails each week and are helping teachers all over the state with the resources and advice. There are a load of episodes in the bank, so feel free to find one that piques your interest. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening.